evening, everyone, and welcome to round eight of uh, Don the Stat, Essendon versus Hawthorne this week. Uh, sorry for the, the slight delay in getting started. We had some uh, some technical difficulties this evening, but, uh, but yeah, here we are, ready to go. Um, as always, I've got my co-host, Ian Hume. Humey, how are you going, mate? Ooh, we've had a false start again. Uh, sorry. Humey, how are you going, mate? You, you got me there? Yeah, all good. You just dropped out there as I was um, becoming the co-host. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to sound great when we um, people listen back to this on the podcast. Uh, maybe I'll edit it out, but we'll see. The, the, yeah, the joys no, of the joys of live of live yeah, recording. It, it adds some pressure, doesn't it? So, so mate, we've um, yeah, we're back for week number eight of this, and and obviously we've got. The Hawks on Saturday night, uh, our old foes um, in a similar position to us in terms of their their rebuild, and um, uh, you know they they've got you know we're year two into a new coach, they're year one into a new coach, so there's there's a few similarities, but um, I guess we've we've sort of been overwhelmed over the last couple of weeks of the the feedback and the number of listeners that have jumped on board. We've jumped into the the podcast space now, so these recordings are going. Out through there, I thought it might be timely just to to reintroduce ourselves. And a couple of people have, have mentioned that they they like the content, but they don't really know who they are. So, um, mate, I might I might throw to you to to introduce yourself just quickly. Um, indulge us a little bit with uh, with who you are and how you got barracking for the bombers. Uh, yeah, so uh, I my first uh, my first my first connection with the bombers was through my father. Uh, so he was a bomber supporter. He unfortunately passed away when I was five. Uh, but when '93 rolled around and I was, uh, I would have been seven. Uh, my mum told me that uh, dad supported the bombers, and so that that's what drew me to it. I was actually being directed more towards the Bulldogs by my by my aunt before that stage, but that sort of locked me in '93 and, and hearing about my dad. And then, if you, my first my first memory of the Essendon game is unfortunately Gavin Wanganee hitting the post in that Brisbane. Uh, final in 96 and then obviously the plugger uh, plugger point after the siren there as well sort of seed in the memory um, you know moving up through 2000 I was, I was you know 13 and uh, just sort of thinking you know how, how good's this and then you, you just sort of maintain that and you know I've, I've dipped in and out a bit over you know previous previous so years but I've, I've really gotten more involved the last couple of years and you know getting to know you especially we met uh, probably about seven years ago now when we joined the same cricket club in the first year and getting to know you and, and hearing your stories as well has brought me closer and being able to to share this this platform with uh, yourself and with all the fans that have been interacting you know really makes me you know the result the results may not be great but I think the, the fandom and, and, and the group of people that Essendon brings together uh, really make it a special a special club to support so I guess you, you've got a bit more of a connected story to Essendon than I do, if you just want to share that with the, the listeners. Oh, yeah, in some ways, mate, but similar. Um, yeah, I I didn't have a choice. Um, so my, my I became an Essendon fan like you because of my dad, but obviously in a different way. Um, yeah, my my dad's a second generation Essendon supporter himself. So uh, he grew up in, in Nidri in the Essendon area, just down the road from Windy Hill. And um, yeah, I, I really didn't have a choice. Interestingly enough, um, I was enamoured as a youngster with Dermot Brereton. I was a died-in-the-wool Bombers fan, but I, I loved Dermot Brereton. And um, and actually, at one point when I was about four, said that I was tempted to barrack for Hawthorne because of Dermy. And my, my dad did say that if I did that, he'd 
put me in a Hessian bag and throw me in the Maribyrnong River. So, um, yeah, so that that um, that diminished any chances of me barracking for anybody else, but I wouldn't have it any other way despite, you know, what we're going through at the moment and what's happened over sort of the last decade or so. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where my, my love for the Bombers came. And then um, I was lucky enough to spend a number of years working at the club as a initially a statistician and then um, more a, an analysis role. And I guess that's sort of dictated how I, I watch football and, and I think you and I um, sort of uh, both stats nerds and, and bonded quite closely over that and um, and that's how we ended up doing this. We thought we'd uh, put this together and see whether anyone else was interested in, in talking about the game the, the way that we like to talk about it and, and here we are. So yeah, we're so yeah. Don, the stats are more about the uh, not just the stats, yeah. but I, I guess talking a bit more about what we're seeing on the field and and then in these previews, um, giving our view on how we'd like to see yeah. things happen. Not necessarily predicting how they will, but um, and sometimes it does play out that way. Other others it doesn't. But yeah, I guess um, yeah, we we're, we're sort of looking at a bit more of the on field and and the the stats and things that are happening on field that. Um, to try and explain in a little bit of detail what's going on. So, yeah, that's us. Um, yeah. So should we get stuck in, mate? Yeah, I think so. For those who are joining us for the first time, we always start by going over what we thought about the previous game. So we, at the end of each episode, we, we go through what what we thought Essendon needed to do in order to be successful. And we sort of, sort of go, is that a pass or a fail? Or we look into how that went. So, We'll just start by going through those. So the first thing that we we needed Essendon to do to try and beat the Bulldogs, obviously this isn't successful because we, we didn't win, uh, but increasing the intensity around the comment, the contest and limiting the Dogs' uncontested marks. And we thought that was that was a slight pass in terms of our, our tackling was up, you know, quite significantly on, on the year. It was probably 10 higher than average and up from a, a low of 36 against Freya up to 52. It's not at the level it was last year. But, you know, that, it's tracking in the right direction there. And the dogs were average, for, average in terms of their, their marks. So we didn't allow them to, to be as controlling of the ball as they, as they otherwise could have been. Yeah. And then moving on, uh, so make use of the ruck dominance. So we, we pointed out last, last week that despite not having a strong ruck division, they're actually, the dogs are one of the best sides at, you know, take, taking the ball from, from clearance uh, through through the opposition ruckman, they they go at one point four six clearances per ruck hit out in in general. Uh, we were hoping to try and limit that, but unfortunately we didn't. Uh, they still went at that same ratio, so we were unable, unable to make take advantage of of Draper's dominance in the ruck there. Yeah, I, I think though what we were able to do is break even, and I think if you um, so whilst we we probably didn't reach an advantage overall from from clearance and and from Draper winning um, winning the hit out contest we were able to largely break evens particularly at stoppages around the ground which is an area that we've been really poor in at the start of the year and I thought we were a lot better there the, the dogs ended up winning 25 to 21 but yeah we were we were getting smashed up in that part of the ground so I think going up against a really good clearance side, and being able to sort of almost break even, I think, um, uh, you know, we didn't get the advantage that we would have liked, but we also didn't really let them get an advantage either. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think you've been a bit more harsh on that one. You called it a fail. I, I reckon it's a pass. Okay. Well, moving on. So marks inside 50 was another thing that we, we looked at. So 
one of the things, we'll talk a bit about this later in terms of the game style and the personnel and what it's meaning for how the team's playing. But we sort of, we believe that in order to, to win the game, we need to take a number of marks inside 50. As, as you pointed out last week, if you're marking the ball inside 50, you're not allowing the opposition to run it out because you have control of the ball. And so we went at, we went at uh, one mark for five inside 50, which was the same as what the Bulldogs uh, went. Uh, sorry, we were just better than what the Bulldogs went at. Um, sorry, but the difference was we had 27 less entries there. So despite the fact that we were more efficient in going inside 50, you know, the weighted numbers from the Bulldogs, uh, the weighted numbers from the Bulldogs, you know, overwhelmed us in the end. And that, that sort of connects to the next point, which is to mine their halfbacks. Uh, we sort of pointed out uh, Dale and Daniel as, as the two keys. And I think Richards is probably the third one. They're exiting from halfback. And we pointed out that in the previous, uh, previous year, uh, when we won, we kept them to 26 kicks between them. And in the elimination final, that they had 33 between them. And so we were looking to limit that. And they actually had 37 this week. So, uh, yeah, def- definite fail on that one. And that was a big contributor to why they were so damaging uh, heading off halfback. Yeah, big time. And um, just the power of running and the, the number of times you saw, particularly um, Caleb Daniel, get through the middle of the ground and his opponent just not not within sight. There was a really poor one that I called out today on Twitter with um, with Caldwell where um, Caldwell actually gave away the free kick. Um, you know, he was a little bit stiff. He, he got caught holding the ball and he was on the mark and Daniel got the free kick um, and and also in our back, in our forward 50, sorry, and then also kicked the ball inside their 50 to set up the goal that uh, Norton took the mark and it was the one where he handballed off to, to Waitman running past. So, and, uh, you know, so Caldwell effectively starts closer to their goal than he did by virtue of being on the mark. And, and he got sort of 15 metres almost on Caldwell by the time he kicked the ball inside 50, really under no pressure. Got, a, you know, a couple of handball receives in the chain. <clears throat> so there was a number of examples of where our half forwards just didn't work hard enough defensively um, when we did turn over the ball. And then I, I don't think they got dangerous enough too. Um, so, uh, yeah, a fair bit of kick chasing. But these are young, inexperienced guys. You know, Caldwell and, and Hobbs in particular haven't played a lot of footy full stop, let alone a lot of football at half forward. So it's a big ask of them, and I think it's hurting us a fair bit, but we'll touch on that in a sec. Yeah, and we'll just, we'll just finish off by some of the players that we, other, other than Dale and Daniel, that we talked about. We, we're going to give passes on restricting McRae and the, uh, Ridley to Norton. We call Ridley to Norton. Uh, based on how he performed last year, and, and that's what the, cl- the way the club went as well. Uh, so we called uh, it hard. McRae was under average, average under his his general amount, which he often performs quite well against Essendon. And then Norton, you know, didn't get on the scoreboard. Probably, you know, a bit lu- a bit unlucky not to get on the scoreboard. He had a couple of easy marks that he dropped, um, but Ridley overall probably did a good job on him. I, mean, I, I think wanted- the yeah, I think the other one I was just going to say, mate, was that Ridley just looked more confident. I think that the talking point last week was, you know, everyone's been talking about how do we free up Ridley? He doesn't look like himself. How do we get free him up? And, and our point was, well, maybe we don't free him up. We'll just get him on someone who's going to be dangerous and he can he can um, get to more contests that way. And and I think that that really worked. He, he looked more confident. Um, Norton led him to dangerous areas. He was able to spoil and defend. And then he, he was also, you know, he dropped off and read the play a number of times. So, you know, he still ended up with his 20 disposals, which I think it was his second highest for the year at, at 85%. So he still used it pretty well. I think we'd probably all like to see him use his foot skills to our advantage a little bit more, so be a bit more aggressive. But 
but he was still neat with his disposal. Took eight marks, six intercepts, and and there were a couple of really big um, covering spoils where he got across and and killed the ball, which we just haven't seen from him this year. So I think it was not just about restricting Norton, but but can we see Jordan Ridley get back to the the real confident aerial player um, that he has? And then Reed, you know, had a really good introduction back, didn't he? he, he you know, didn't dominate, but six intercepts was um, was a pretty good start or restart to his AFL career. So I think. You know, you've got your two two key backs there, don't you, for your next 10 years. If they can develop and play a lot of footy together, then um, it could be exciting. So, um, And then the last one, um, unfortunately, uh, we called out McNeil and, and McComb. Um, and just not, you know, we, we, everyone speaks about Waitman, Waitman, especially Essendon fans when we play the Dogs. And as you mentioned to me, he, had those, he kicked those two cheap goals. He didn't really earn them. Um, but... McNeil and McCone kicked five between them and, and we just paid them no attention. A really bad example where Redmond just ran off him and, and sort of kicked chase and then another one in the last quarter where Heppel just sat off at a throw in and um and McNeil um uh, McNeil was able to to basically just carry from the stoppage on his own without any pressure and kick inside fifty. So yeah, we just didn't pay those guys any any attention at all, and they hurt us. And you know, what did we lose by in the end? Thirty three points or something like that. And um, McNeil and McComb kicked five goals between them. It's you know, it's not necessarily the difference between winning and losing, but it really does add up, doesn't it? Absolutely. So moving on, moving on from there. Let's just before we get on to Hawthorne, let's just let's just sort of reflect because the the club has copped copped a hammering, and I think there's there's a fair bit in in the media, and I think there's a there's a fair bit of merit to a lot of that. And in terms of in terms of how they're playing, obviously at the end of last year the game the game style was flowing quite well. You know there was there was movement, there was you know a lot of a lot of pressure and, and effort there. Have you noticed anything that suggests they've, they've changed the game style in any way, or is it more a personnel issue in terms of just the confidence they have in in the in the players, or just a lack of certain key personnel that's preventing you know the sort of the sort of form that we saw at the end of last year. Yeah, I. This is going to sound counterintuitive because the results don't necessarily show it, but I think there's definitely been an intent to restructure the way that our midfield sets up to be more defensive. Um, so we, we were quite Russian roulette as a midfield last year. We, we, you know, we did sort of run downhill, I guess, for lack of a better term, and um, and you know that that opened up the play a lot, but it also did hurt us. And I, I don't think our midfield group is quite adjusted to that yet um, at the moment. The other thing that we, <clears throat> pardon me, we did do a lot of last year was roll up a, an extra midfielder. And we haven't been doing that all the time. We tend to, to do it depending on what the opposition does. So um, it was kind of our, our MO last year and, and we've, and Snelling was normally the one that played that role. We, we don't seem to be doing that by default this year. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some defensive things that we're trying to implement that that we just haven't adjusted to. <clears throat> but I think the big thing is that we're... With our ball movement, I, I think there is a real intention to try and move it faster and get inside. I, I think what's happening, though, is, A, we don't have the half-forward line to to be able to 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 make the most of that. So we've got guys like, as I mentioned before, Hobbs Caldwell playing through half forward that mm. that don't really know those areas of the ground or, or don't really know those roles at the moment. We've got um, 
Waterman and Stringer the last two weeks who, you know, when they're getting the ball and kicking goals, they're really good, but they don't offer anything defensively. In fact, I think you could probably go as far as saying they're liabilities defensively. Um, you know, that, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that they just, yeah, I, I was going to say something really harsh and critical then. I think I'll move on, but yeah, that, so I think that, and that's hurting us as well. Um, and Peter Wright can't be in two places, obviously. So <clears throat> we want him deep because he's our, our main focal point going inside 50. But we also need him leading up as the bailout kick and he can't do both. So I think more often than not, what we find is when we fall into those really slow patterns, it's because that we don't have someone who's leading up at the footy to be that bailout kick and a half forward line is really stagnant. And... Um, and or not being getting into dangerous positions and guys are just dropping off. So Dale, Daniel and the like would, and Richards would just drop off last week and they let Hobbs and, um, and Caldwell and Co go. And um, it did mean that when, you know, our midfield looked up, there was no one to kick to and, and we fall into this handball habit. And then it obviously meant when we did kick forward, um, there were times where we would turn it over and, and just get no pressure on, on them bringing the ball back out. I think the other thing that's happening a lot is, uh, uh, I mean, it's all excuses, right? But I think obviously the Geelong game uh, was a nightmare. It, it didn't go to plan. Um, uh, you know, whether you can say we didn't want, we didn't turn up or whatever it was, but you know, it was a disaster. We then had that really tough draw, and I think it's just really hampered our confidence. So, combination of guys not being there, young guys trying to learn their role and then being really lacking from confidence. You just see it whenever we do make a mistake, everyone's head just drops. And rather, you know, the good teams, the experienced teams, if they turn the ball over, they'll just get on their bike and they'll move into their defensive structure and away they go and they'll try and bring it back. Whereas our guys, you know, we'll go, oh, geez, we've been fighting so hard. We've been working really hard. We haven't got anywhere. Now we've turned it over, head down. And, and it just allows other teams to get momentum on it. So I don't, I don't think we're necessarily changed a lot. I just think there's a combination of missing personnel who are important to the way that we do play or we want to play, um, a real lack of confidence at the moment um, across the group. And then I, I think our um, our midfield not yet adapting to the defensive structure. And I think we're probably lacking def- more defensive-minded midfielders at times as well because Parrish Shield... Um, and Merritt are all very much seaball get ball types, aren't they? None of them are, are, are instinctively um, defensive players. And then, you know, we've had McGrath in there at times, but his best position is probably at halfback. So, I, yeah, I just don't know if we've got that right yet. So that's a, a bit of a long-winded answer. But, um, yeah, I think there's there's multiple elements to it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's... it's and also, there's still... They're still learning the. They're still learning the defense. It does. It does take a, a while. I mean, I, I've only ever played third football, and you know the, the basic the basic defense that we learned was to set up at at uh, to set up at, at kickouts. You know, and even even at that level, but just like a basic structure at, at kickouts for 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 that level, you're learning a very basic thing. It still takes a while for a team to to sort of do it naturally. And these players are trying to learn you know, different setups for different parts of the ground in different circumstances. It takes a while for that sort of thing to become habit. And so what can often happen is, you know, it it doesn't look good. And, you know, the hope hope is one day it it just starts to click. 
And also when you get those players back, when you get your, your Langfords and your Snellings and, and hopefully Tippers and Joneses, that half-forward line actually becomes a target for those midfielders. And they actually feel confident going going to them. I think the one the one person who, who has sort of filled that role, and I think he's doing quite a good job is Guelphie, particularly the last couple of weeks. I've noticed he's really provided that option. He's, he's held that line. He's taken some good marks. He's also, you know, so he's also probably not been as strong in some contests that he should have been. That's just a part of learning to take, take the heat. Uh, but I know, I know you're someone you've, you've not, you've thought in the past hasn't necessarily had a place, but I think he's actually learned a fair bit about what he needs to do. And he's, he's doing adequately, I think for the role that he's in there, but he's not yeah, he, able to. Yeah. He, he made a couple of, bad mistakes last week, didn't he? Like, dropped a couple of marks. But that aside, his development has been significant. And, you know, Essendon, Cop, Essendon supporters like to give Essendon coaching staff a lot of crap for not developing players well. But, you know, you've got a guy like him who, you know, we found a position for him, put him in that, and he's improved his game significantly. My, my knock on him was always, you know, I know he can do, you know, we see the defensive stuff, the big spoils and the, the big smothers, and, and people got enamored with that, which is fair enough because we haven't had a lot of it. But, Still need to be able to find the footy and, and, and if you're playing forward, kick goals. And he's been able to do that and add that to his game. And I think, you know, we, we, found, a, we found a player um, there that we, you know, we obviously already had him, but we found a role for him and he's adjusted well. I think, you know, a couple of, just to expand a little bit, a couple of examples last week, uh, you know, there was one where Martin, uh, was it in the first quarter? Second quarter, I'm trying to remember now. Um, certainly the first half where he, he missed a shot on goal um, and probably should have handballed to Perkins, who was on his own. And instead of just running to the zone and and setting up, you know, Martin got his head down and was dejected. Um, Perkins was arguing with Martin and arms out, "Why didn't you? Why didn't you handball to me?" And by the time they'd stopped that, Caleb Daniel had got the ball almost to the centre of the ground, and the dogs were away and went forward and kicked goal, and we get a two goal turnaround. So it's just. And you can't be critical of Martin and Perkins, right? They're great young players and they're going to have a huge future for us. They, they bring so much that you can tell that they're going to be stars. But they're, they're making mistakes defensively that are hurting us down the ground. So I just think it's, it's lots of little things at the moment, mate. And I, I really don't think that it's as bad as, as people want to think it is or pretend it is. Um, the reality is until you know, the 10-minute mark almost of the second quarter, we were we were still within three goals and had more scoring shots. And then we dropped our bundle for a 15-minute patch and they kicked, you know, I think it was six goals to one or whatever it was, and they take it out to a big lead and, and it's game over. And that same thing happened in the Fremantle game as well. Um, it, it wasn't that we were uncompetitive for the whole match. It was just that we, we'd lost confidence and dropped our bundle for a period and let them get momentum. So, yeah, anyway, I think... Um, I think we might have a question, mate. So I'm going to see we, whether we can we can work out how to do this. Um, Lewis, you're on, mate. If you unmute yourself, far away. Hello, Lewis. Stage fright. Maybe it was just an accident. Oh, he accepted. He accepted the the invitation. Yeah. Well, what we'll probably do, we will we will have the opportunity to ask questions at the end after we go through the after we go through the how what we think about the the Hawthorne game. So, if you do have any questions and you want to hang around and ask them, please please do, and we'll, we'll have that time at the end of the episode. But let's move on. Well, let's let's start talking about Hawthorne, and obviously, it's it's probably the great modern rivalry 
Essendon Hawthorne. You know, there's there's obviously the grand finals of the eighties, but you know, there's there's very a lot of famous moments, a lot of close matches. Uh, some we've ended up on the right side of, some we've been on the other side of, and you know, we've we've had to sit there and while we're going through probably our worst period in our history, they've gone through one of their best. So, uh, what's the what's the Hawthorne memory that really really um, you know, that really comes to you when you start thinking about the Essendon Hawthorne rivalry. Yeah, I was a I was a kid of the eighties, mate. So um, yeah, I I know the soundtrack to the particularly the eighty four Grand Final. Um, you know, probably better than than anything else. Um, you know, I watched that a lot, and and you know, it was Leon Baker in the backyard kicking snags. Um, you know, um, as a kid, and, and Leon Baker was the or number four was the first jumper number that I I had so yeah that that was obviously a a big time for the club and you know whilst I was probably young to remember appreciate it at the time I I certainly grew up remembering that era um quite fondly um and yeah so so that one um but yeah we've there's been some big moments um you know the 2001 prelim um where we just got over the line um I think was it Solomon scrambled that goal on the goal line and and got us um, and yeah and we hit the front and we hung on and then I think was it Jonathan Hay missed a long shot and um, yeah so so yeah so that one um, beating them in um, in 2009 was nice where they you know basically both playing for that last spot in the final and it was kind of the you know we thought we might have found our next superstar centre half forward when Hurls rolled onto his left and. Um, and, and put that one through and, and we made the finals and they missed out the year after they won the flag. Um, and then Hurls ends up being an All-Australian key defender. Um, we were talking before about um, round two in 2015. We watched that game together from uh, the Grand Hotel in, in Glenelg um, yeah. on an end-of-season cricket trip in Adelaide. That's it, yeah. Just that... It, it, it's similar. It's a little bit similar to the Anzac Day game. You know that that, that last minute, you know, win come come from a fair way down. The, the last couple of goals, particularly that hooker goal, that was before Hooker was, you know, actually became, you know, a reasonable forward. You know, that was that was the first sign that you know he he knew where the goals were and just just going nuts uh, with that uh, with that game. But you did actually uh, part of something new. We we try we tried on Twitter. You asked uh, who would we bring back on from the eighty four eighty five era to play in this side we just go through a few responses so the um charlie dons the, the famous charlie dons uh with, with all the clips he he couldn't decide between tim watson and leon baker would you obviously you know said you, you'd want to be leon baker in, in the backyard who would you if you had to pick between those two who would you have gone with um yeah i i think leon baker just because i i was enamored with him um i i love it. it it's <clears throat> it's amazing um how um, and probably not surprising. I mean, that side was so good, but um, there's so many different names that were mentioned. So if you like go through the replies, um, Vanderhaar. I mean, if you went purely on need right now, what do we need? A, a bloke who can sit on heads and kick goals and um, and and play at centre half forward. It, it, like Vanderhaar is probably our biggest yeah. need right now. Like he'd, he'd probably add something that that we're lacking, although we're lacking in, in lots of things. But, um, but yeah, he got a number of mentions. Simon Madden was obviously a superstar and, and probably one of them, you know, even though he's, he's seen 
as um, as a grade of the game. He's probably still undervalued and, and underappreciated. Roger Merritt, um, I don't know how he'd go in the modern game, Roger, with uh, trial by video and um, and all of those kind of things. So I think he'd miss a lot of weeks. After a, he'd be deregistered yeah. after a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Vince, um, Vince made a good one with TD. I mean, TD could obviously play um, forward or back. He was tough and he was an incredible leader. Um and and obviously a great person. So yeah, Shorey called out Billy Duckworth, and and he got a few mentions as well. Paul Salmon got a number of mentions. Um, yeah, I think I think collectively people sort of covered most of the team. Um, someone's called for sheets, which um, I'm assuming as a coach, not as um, not as a player, but um, but yeah, Mark Harvey got a mention as well. So yeah, I mean a great team, um, obviously over that era and. And, you know, a lot of good role players too. I think Gary Fold's got to mention, Nobby Clark got to mention. So, yeah. Um, but it, I think if if reflecting now, Leon Baker just selfishly because I'd love to see him play again. But um, but I think Vanderhaar's probably the one that would would add the most value if we were to look at this purely in, in who would help the most to beat Hawthorne on Saturday night. Yeah, and shout out, I think Silvertop Hurls was the one who got the most likes on that. So just shout out to Silver Top Hills uh, for bringing that one up. Let's So let's look on back to the modern day and, and let's start thinking about Hawthorne. And as you sort of pointed out at the, at the start and when we were talking about this, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Essendon and, and Hawthorne in, in terms of some of the things that are happening in their games. Uh, you arguably were one year ahead of them in terms of a rebuild, in terms of with a, with a new coach there. And just thinking about what's, what's changed, obviously ahead of us on the, on the ladder with Sorry, they've had. Uh, sorry, they've had. Uh, you know, the, the one more, the two more wins than, than we we've had. But there's also some again some similarities there. They have only one one of their last five games though. So you know they did start off quite well, quite a couple of quite quite big wins, uh, and then there's been some offs there. And the, probably the big thing that, that stands out is they've had a had a few games where they've had a, a lot of run-ons. So there's been a lot of, lot of times where teams have, have managed to get a run on and you do see, see that with, with youngish sides there. Do you see anything from that in terms of where, where that's come from? Yeah, I mean, they, they cop, or, we, we got um, Geelong and Brisbane, wasn't it, round two? So we had a really tough start. Um, they had Kangaroos and, and Port Adelaide, the bottom two sides, and, and you know, won those games. So, um, so you know, they, they had a bit of a different start to the season. I think we should keep that in mind when we're trying to compare the development paths of the two teams. Um, you know, they, they've had some, uh, you know, semi-heavy losses in, in there as well. They got, they got touched up by the Saints. Um, and then, uh, you know, by se- almost 70 points and then the Swans beat them quite comfortably. And then, they were, like us, they were really competitive for most of the game against um, Melbourne. A little bit different, our game against Melbourne, we were obviously right in it and then they kicked away late, whereas in this game, Melbourne got away from them in the third quarter and, and Hawthorne came back late and, and got the margin back to 10. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think they're... they're they play in some ways a similar way to we do. Um, I think you know, not just a new coach, but they've also um, they've also got Sicily and Gunston back, which are you know two important you know key four. Gunston's a key forward ish, I guess. He's, he's not your traditional big forward, but uh, certainly a focal point up front. And then 
Sicily down back really stabilizes them. So that's been big. Um, they also got McAvoy back, although he's injured again. Um, and then, and they've had a big key forward, um, you know, was Mitch Lewis in the first sort of four or so weeks. I think he kicked, um, when he kicked five, I think against Port and, and had a big day out. Um, and then Kaczynski's come in over the last couple of weeks and hit the scoreboard. So um, they've got some, uh, they're moving the ball quicker. So that, you know, like us, when they're playing their best footy, they're getting the ball through the corridor and really taking that on. Um, they've added a bit more defensive, um, I guess, effort and nous to, to the way they go about it. They're not too scared to tag. Um, you know, something that we haven't obviously been prepared to do too often. Uh, they ran uh, Finn McGuinness last week with... Um, um, why am I having a mind blank right now? Um, with um, with Ed Langdon, sorry, out, out on a wing and really restricted Langdon's um, ability. Um, yeah, they've got some toughness and hardness as well. Blokes like Hardwick, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess it's in the name, um, but you know, uh, are really prepared to do the hard work. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it, a huge amount has changed, other than a little bit more de- defensively minded, and they're they're definitely taking the game on more, which is partly their um, their attempts to get the ball back in through the corridor, and then partly, I think, through obviously having some some targets forward that they didn't have last year. So, you know, Boz Lewis, he's out injured. Kaczynski, um is becoming a bit more consistent and then Gunston back as well um, is really helping them. So, um, yeah, and then I think they're getting a little bit more depth through the midfield. So, you know, you, you mentioned Mitchell and O'Meara are sort of um, having similar years or, or probably down a little bit on last year, but they've... Um, you know, they've been able to get more from the likes of Warpole and Dylan Mill, uh, D- Dylan Moore, sorry, through the midfield. So, um, so yeah, not not a heaps change, but um, mm. but definitely, yeah, being a bit more aggressive. I think um, when they've got the footy. Well, I think that that sort of plays out if you look at their kick to handball uh, ratio. So last year was they were kicking you know, one, sorry, they were kicking one point two six for every every handball. So and now this year it's one point four six kick to handball. So it's a, it's a far higher. They're kicking more often than they were last year. Their, their possessions are slightly down, but they're kicking a lot more, which you, usually the kick is a, is a more aggressive option in a lot of situations. And if you go to Footy Wire, uh, Hawthorne, you look at sort of their, their team stats and they're like, they're, they've got a lot, they're in the low end for a lot of their rankings, but the three, the three uh, points where they are in the high rankings area are areas of major concern for us because they're ranked fourth in rebound 50s per game and they rank second in least opponent rebound 50s per game. And if there's two areas we're struggling at the moment, it's to restrict the ability of teams exit our exit our forward 50 and to uh, move the ball out from defensive 50. So that's that's a big problem for us in terms of what they're doing well. They're doing they're doing things well that we are currently struggling at. So that that's something that the coaches will really need to to focus on uh, in order to beat them. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, and and I think we'll touch on that in a sec um, when we talk about what we yeah. might want to do to to counteract it. Um, and then yeah, I think I think the other one that that's worth pointing out is that they do concede, um, they do concede clearances, and they also concede inside fifty. So um, you know they're they're minus eight per game for um, for clearances, which gives us you know a little bit of hope that we can get some ascendancy there. Absolutely. 
Well, moving on, moving on to selection again. Lucky another episode where we actually know the full team. No, no more guessing in terms of uh, who's going to be on, from the extended bench. So, ins uh, Hind and Brian, and outs a string with the hamstring, Cox with the ankle, and Baldwin's been omitted, and then Shields uh, staying on. So he was a medi sub last week, and, and he'll be starting this week. So, obviously, big loss in, in Stringer, uh, Cox. Obviously not in in the best form. It, it might do him some good to have some time off. And then Baldwin, you know, tried, tried hard. It was great to see him kick his first goal, uh, but he's probably not quite there yet for the AFL level. And some more time at the VFL will do him good. Hines uh, Hine, been named at halfback. I I would actually like to see him in the forward line, sort of pro- trying to provide some pressure. But I think they'll probably stick with him at the back. And then obviously the big one is is Brian. And you, you've you've spoken a lot about Draper. Um, and we're going to be speaking about it again when we talk about the the keys for the match. But how do you see the addition of Brian impacting uh, impacting on how how we play, and in particular on Draper? Yeah, I I think you know Baldwin tried. I think his ground level work was good. He he gave some big efforts defensively, but I think he's he's a bit more of your Jack Gunston style forward, isn't he? You know anchor from the goal square lead out of the ball and and uh, you know that that uh, we almost didn't need that from him we needed him to be able to get up the ground and um and provide a, a marking contest so I, I guess what it does is it allows brian to play that role or or at the very least allow um allow peter wright to get up the ground a little bit more and, and still ensure that we've got a tall target forward so um, yeah, and obviously give um, give Draper a little bit of a chop out. So yeah, and then and then Hawthorne they they've managed a couple of midfielders, haven't they? So they've left Shields out and, and Nash out and McDonald as well, and they've brought in Ward. And so Ward was their first pick last year, pick seven in the draft, a, a really you know impressive looking young midfielder. Um, Harry Morrison comes back mid sort of midfield small forward, and then Granger Barash was there. He was their first pick the year before, wasn't he? So a key defender um, comes back into the side. So, um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, we uh, stringers a loss. Um, I think Hines actually a good addition. He was good in the VFL last week. A lot more aggressive off half back. Um, I know it's obviously a different standard of footy, but I think we really we miss the best of Nick Hines. So. If that's unlocked that, let's give it the benefit of the doubt. If we can get more run from behind, then that also helps to to ensure we're not too stagnant going forward because, you know, we didn't talk about that. We were talking about some of our struggles um, before, but it's the other way to break up slow footy, isn't it, is to actually run and carry the ball and, and hit. I think Redmond's really trying. I think we've seen some good improvement from him in the last couple of weeks. Um, if Hine can get back to, you know, 70 80% of his best um, this week, then I think we have some improvement um, in the way that we play. So, so yeah, should we kick off um, or, or close out with some match things, match tactics, mate, and things we'd like to say? Yeah, I think so. But if you do have a question, as I said, if, um, time for questions at the end. If you do have questions, please put your please put the request in on the Twitter spaces. Uh, we'll go through the match tactics, what we think needs to happen in order for Essendon to win, and then we'll get to your questions. So, just uh, put that push that request button and we'll uh, hear from you. But yeah, so you've you've highlighted three big things this week. So not not as many as we, we did for the dogs game, but there's sort of three areas that you think we can either gain an advantage or things that we need to, to lock down on in order to be successful. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think they've got a really even team, right? So um, 
they're they're a good team to to watch. They've got um, some good ball users off off half back. Um, they've got some some developing forwards because Itsky's been in the system for a while. Um, that knows how to kick goal. Jackson Callow, I think, is playing his second game. Um, he's the guy that they... He's the one they took in the mid-season draft last year, isn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, Luke Brewster's in some good form. Dylan Moore's in some good form. So, yeah, I think um, I, I think they're, they're sort of even across the ground, uh, really. But I, I think we sort of narrowed it down to three key things. Um, I'm really curious to see how Draper goes this week. He's had two really big matches um, and he's responded well to being the solo ruckman. So we haven't had Phillips in the last couple of weeks, and um, and Draper's had his his big t- best two games of the season. I mean, you made the point that he has fatigued late in both of those games, and and that's true. But I I think he he likes being the main man. And my 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 fear is that having Brian there, and and also against a I use the term soft kill in, in inverted commas because, you know, Max Lynch is, you know, he's he's a he's a good young player himself, but he's someone that on paper Draper should be able to beat and beat well. Um, I just worry that I think this is just the next phase of his development is how does he go out there and put his hand up when he's played two really good games against um, two pretty good players when he's now playing against someone who's sort of around his age, has less experience to him and he's got, than him and he's got the backup of Brian. So I think, yeah, curious to see how that goes. I hope, um, I hope we, I hope he responds really well to that. Um, Hawks are fourth for intercept marks, as you mentioned, but they're also the fourth um, in the comp for conceding inside 50. So, um, you know, they intercepted rebound a lot, but that's partly because the ball's in there a lot. Um, so, <laughs> And like we mentioned, they like to take on the cor- the corridor when they're at their best. When we're at our best, we like to do the same. So I reckon this game could be a little bit of a Mexican standoff and it's going to be the team who's the bravest um, more often is, is probably going to win. So I think if we are, uh, you know, there's two ways to beat, um, to stop teams from getting lots of intercept. One is to, is to do is to go slow and methodical and try and pinpoint the other way is just to get the ball in there quickly and um, and cause um, uh, cause more one-on-ones and um, and faster ball movement. So I'd like to see that, mate. I'd like to see us really take on the corridor and be really, really brave. And I would rather see us turn the ball over more but do it being positive than, than do it sort of being slow and, and making mistakes that way. Um, and a bit of a left field one. I'd, I'd run a tag on on Sicily. Um, he's he's their number one intercept player. Averages nearly nine a game. Um, <clears throat> he's not the only one that does it. You know, Frost is really good too. But he's going to have his hands full with Peter Wright, um, Scrimshaw, Will Day, Hardwick are all good down there too. I mean, I think if our other forwards can um, can get busy. And, and separate, which we talk about a lot. So, you know, Waterman's going to have a big role to play. He's going to need, he's going to draw one of those. He needs to make sure that he does a good job. Um, Perkins as well. I suspect with, with Stringer out and, and I, uh, interesting to see what we do with McGrath this week. Now that Hines back in, does he go back or does he play midfield? But, um, but yeah, Hobbs is going to need to, Hobbs and, and Caldwell, if they're playing half forward, are going to have to do a better job than last week. But, I'd like to see Cutler play forward and, and play on Sicily and, and really try and, and lock him down and, and expose him. We've seen him creep forward from a wing over the last couple of weeks and, and kick some set shot goals. Um, so we know he's 
He's not bad around goals. We know he's pretty disciplined. We know he's a hard worker. Um, he sort of plays above his size a little bit too. So he's a bit, you know, he can he can sort of be a bit play a bit taller than what he really is. So, um, and that might free up, um, you know, Hobbs to play a bit of wing, um, McGrath to play a bit of wing, uh, etc. And then um, and then yeah, try and limit Sicily's game. So they're the three, mate. Draper to to go three weeks in a row and have another big game and. and as you mentioned, the Hawks are minus eight for clearances per game. So get a big ascendancy there, get the ball going our way, really take on the corridor a lot and be really brave and just respond when we don't make, when we do make a mistake. I hope, I really hope that um, the coaches have made it clear that it's, it's okay to, to make mistakes if we're doing it by playing positive footy. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I'd go Cutler to do a role on Sicily and see if we can, um, limit his effectiveness. Excellent. Well, no no takers from the questions, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, build, we'll build people up to that. So you just got to give, as, as a teacher, sometimes, you know, you, you, you ask a question and there's there's a lot of stun mullets in the in the classroom. So you sometimes just got to build their confidence up. So uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have people uh, wanting to ask questions on the chat, but I'll just throw one at you. Um, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people have been crying out for is to see more uh, some changes in terms of who attends the centre bounces and we saw this man attend one centre bounce on the weekend and he won it. So how many centre bounces should Perkins attend this game? Um, I would like to see Perkins and, and Hobbs get 10 between them um, and, and get in there a bit more. You know, that we're playing against a, a younger midfield too, right? So they're going to come up against some guys that are, are sort of around their age. Um, yeah, you know, obviously Mitchell and O'Meara um, have been around a long time and are both very good players, but they've got some young kids running through there too. So, you know, if Josh Ward's in the centre, why not put Hobbs on him? They would have played under 18 footy against each other um, and, and like, you know, and get Perkins in there as well. So, yeah, Perkins and, and Hobbs, I'd love to see get, get 10 between them, mate. What about you? I, I I sort of I, I'm the opinion that they should get around at least two two centre bounce attendances a quarter. You know, you're not overloading them, but you are, you know, you're exposing them to them. Um, Perkins obviously, you know, can sense has, has got a bit of bulk about him. You know, he's he's obviously a young kid, but he's, you know, he's not he's not just a pushover at this stage. So you know, that adds something a point of difference that we don't necessarily have, uh, especially with Stringer out. And yeah, Hobbs Hobbs has come to the club as, as a as a clearance midfielder. Uh, he needs to be attending. If he's not going to, if he's going to play in the AFL, and he's, he's not going to be, you know, adjusting up through the VFL. He needs to be attending centre bounces. We don't necessarily want to do. Um, we don't want to have to wait, you know, as long as we had to wait for Parish to find out how good good he he is. But that's it from us. Uh, thanks to everyone who's who's joined the Twitter space and everyone who will be listening on the podcast. Before we go, I just do want to give a shout out. You did uh, pose a, a curly question on on Twitter um, regarding. A particular set of stats that you know, in terms of what the actual stat was referring to, and ended up being referring to turnovers. We've actually got the least amount of turnovers um, of any side uh, in the league this year, which sounds counterintuitive until you sort of think about where the the turnovers are happening. We're actually conceding the most points uh, per turnover of any side in the league there. But I just do want to give a shout out to uh, Lama Bin Wild. He was the first person to guess on your on your Twitter feed. So uh, well done, Lama, on, on your success there, getting that question. And everyone who's uh, interacted with our, with our tweets over uh, the past week, it's been, uh, it's always really enjoyable to hear people's thoughts and, and see that people uh, respect, particularly the work that you're doing in terms of your, 
your match reviews. I think they're, they're very well received um, just from looking at Essendon fan sites around. It, it's something that, that gets brought up a fair bit, um, how, how excellent they are. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's um, It's been good fun. Um, hopefully, um, we can review a few more wins um, uh, you know, as we go on this season. But, yeah, thanks again to you, mate, for all the work that you put into this. Um, yeah, let's go, Dons, and, and see if we can get a win up against the Hawks on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, thanks again, everyone. Talk soon.